Welcome back, everyone, to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kason. Today we're jumping into the story proper of Final Fantasy X. We actually get to talk about the thing I wanted to talk about last time (laughs) today. Um, My goodness. Just want to say this first. This is a really special game. It's really cool. There are some games that come around where it's like, this is there's just something about this lightning in yeah. a bottle type feel to it. Mm-hmm. And while I have my grievances or differences in artistic, creative sort of like yeah. uh, preferences yeah. from these designers in particular, the the Tetsuya Nomuras and the Yoshinori Kitase's and the Motomo Toriyamas of the world, yeah. I differ from them in my taste. Yeah. This game is special. Yeah. This is the best game they've made ever. Oh yeah. And uh, mm. I mean, I liked eight. We we appreciated a lot about oh, it's it very by good. the time it was over. Yeah. So I like Final Fantasy. Yeah, VIII. yeah. I don't love it, but I like it. I love this game. Me too. This game is phenomenal. Now I have <laughs> played this game before. Yes. But this second playthrough is even more even more yeah. special. It, it's even more meaningful. Like yeah. I'm getting things that I didn't get before, and I'm seeing things, especially looking at it with a more critical eye, specifically mm-hmm. for this series. I'm like not disappointed in yeah. the the deeper levels of analysis that yes. that I can approach this game with and that that hold, you know. Yes. Like it's really really cool. So, they did a great. This is very well thought through. Yes. So I I'm precluding the entire series here, our podcast series. But with that. Yeah. This game is special. This is an all-time great game. It is one of the best Final Fantasy games ever made. Yeah. So when we bring up criticisms of things, it is not in any way de- de- deterring from that fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I still feel like this is one of the best games I've, I've ever played. It's really Particularly good. in the series. Did it I, make your top 50? I, I just barely did a top 50 <laughs> yeah, yeah. in which I did not include it. And oh, really? I regret doing that. Now that it we're should, playing it again. It should have been on this. Well, maybe next year. <laughs> maybe next another. time I make a top 100, right? I'll just keep escalating it forever. <laughs> That's what I tend to do. Yeah, this game, I, I'm so the opposite of disappointed. Because <laughs> for some reason, and I liked it when I first played it. Yeah. My first playthrough of this game was, it was a special experience. I loved mm. it. I really did. But not the way that I'm enjoying it this time. Yes. Like, I am, I am liking it at, at a, in a whole different way now. And some of that also is I'm playing it with my wife. Yeah. Oh, at least part of it. She's into she these, likes this it. style of game too. Now, I'm gonna yeah. throw in a few of her anecdotes, like like there's a girl named the Boob Lady, <laughs> and um, well, anyways, yeah. I, I kind we'll of talk, regret. We'll talk about design. I kind of regret playing this with my wife. <laughs> as soon as I get a little ways into it, I'm like, oh. Is, all right. But, Isn't that the but, story of anime and JRPGs, though? Yes. Is anytime your family members oh walk by, you're like embarrassed to be playing no, this game? I have, a, I have a friend who he says he, he, whenever you know somebody catches him watching anime, he closes his laptop and he would rather admit that he's watching porn <laughs> than, than that he was watching anime. <laughs> um, and this, we say that as people who, who yep. like, appreciate anime for yes. what it is. You know? Yes. I like anime a lot. There's, it's very likely that we will be yeah. on our exclusive podcast, yeah. if those of you don't know, we have a, a second exclusive podcast for our patrons. Oh, yeah. We will probably be talking about the first five episodes of Cowboy Bebop yes. as our next exclusive nice. breakdown on there. Yeah, yeah. If it's not that, it's going to be Nausicaa of the Valley Nausicaa, of the Wind. Either way, either way. So yeah, we yeah. like anime. We're not, we like we're not trying to like <laughs> dump on anime. But the, but, but you, you'll you know what I mean if, if you, you know, 
have, yes. or if you're married to a person who isn't <laughs> into that kind of stuff or who doesn't have as much exposure to it, yeah. and then you show them Final Fantasy X thinking that it's just going to be a, an here's innocent... A, here's a normal game. A normal experience. No, it's not. <laughs> and then it's, and it's you, all of a sudden I'm noticing things I wouldn't have noticed before. So yeah. anyways, aside from that, I'm having a much better experience with this game the second time. I really recommend you guys play this game twice. Yeah, I, I think this is... I think this is my third or fourth. I can't remember because I played it in high school with a friend. Mm-hmm. Then I played it for the review that I did. But I think I played it twice. Oh, for the review. For the review. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember if I did or not. Maybe I got halfway through on a second or something. Oh, like sure. So this might be technically my third real playthrough. Okay, nice. And I just, I, it, it's amazing. So it really is. It really is. It opens up with. Hold on, hold on. Are you are you past this part? Logo at the start. Well, um, are we talking about the <laughs> scene where they're sitting there by the campfire? <laughs> okay, it's before that. <laughs> okay. So, so at the very beginning of the game, do we have it? We oh, don't have it. Oh, the f- symbol. It's just the press start to play. You yes. know, But there's a symbol. It's like two hooks, right? Two fish hooks, and then like a sword hook thing it's coming down. It's Yes, symbol, and it's yeah. um, it's the symbol for whatever the Abes, the Xanarkand Abes, and it's also whatever um, Titus is wearing on his necklace. Oh, his necklace. Yeah. And then he's got earrings, and then his pants have basically that same symbol again. Yeah, yeah. And then that symbol's just kind of all over his body. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool symbol. It's really I, cool. As soon as I look at it, I'm like, okay, you can learn a lot about this game just from the opening, the very beginning, just that logo right there. Yeah. Right? You've got the electric kind of feel to it. It's jagged. Mm. Everything's really jagged. It's like, hey, these are hooks, sure, but it's like a jagged lightning hook, you yeah. know? And it comes out into two different directions and then at the bottom, which sort of gives off some cross imagery a little bit, but I don't think that was super intentional. Yeah, I, I think so. What I've read... Because it's Asian-inspired exactly. religious influences. What yeah. I have read is that it's more um, a combination of, of some, some letters, right? But mm. some letters that... I've, I, I read extra letters into it than oh. they Did. initially <laughs> input into it. I will say the letters, right? There is a T, right? Yeah, I can see that. It's like a T. There is a J. I can see that. There is an S. Okay. On the side, and there is a Y. I can see that. Yeah. So those are the four letters, right? Okay. And each of those stands for something at at some point in the game. Um, I have heard people talk about the T and J. I've never heard anyone talk about the S and Y, um, but they're there and. It's, you, I you have love notes it. on this for later? I do. Okay. I, have, I have notes on this for later. <laughs> and I love when somebody can take multiple meanings. Like, you know J.R.R. Tolkien's like yeah. little stamp? Yeah, his little uh, insignia. Coat of arms. Yeah, yeah, his insignia. It's got a J and an R and a, and a T and two R's technically. It's and really cool. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. But you can look at it and you can kind of like measure it and, and you know... At, Determine the meaning of where it came from and how it came to look like that. Yeah, right. I can I can do that with this logo really well, and mm. I I absolutely love it. I think it's. I'm looking thing. forward to that because I didn't think about that at all. So. Yeah, it's so cool. That'll be cool. When I see symbols lately, I'm I, that's this is what I do now. Yes. As of the past like four months, <laughs> I'm like. Since, what does um, this mean? Since Xenogears and learning about <laughs> archetypes of the collective unconscious or and whatever. I, I really can't help it. But it did start with Xenogears. It yeah. started with that. And it would maybe it didn't start with that because I've been into symbolism for a while. But like that definitely like, like was a steroid shot in the leg. And I'm just mm-hmm. like like fired up about this stuff now. And I'm seeing it everywhere. And, and it's intentional everywhere. Yeah. Not always what people know it to be. Yes. But art, 
Anyways, the, the reason you're drawn to it, it, it there's a reason. Collective unconscious, baby. Collective <laughs> unconscious, exactly. So anyways, I've got all of this. Uh, there's a few other meanings to it as well. So only one of them am I going into right mm -hmm. here, and that is that it represents a couple of letters. Um, the name Blitzball sounds electric, right? The word Blitz yes, is Blitz. German. The mm -hmm. word Blitz means lightning in German. Mm. And so you've got the lightning shape, and, but then there's fish hooks. And the fish hooks are the Polynesian culture, right? Yeah. You've got the hooks for fishing, and most island um, cultures will or have an affinity towards the hook fishing shape. Fishing cultures. Yeah. yeah. It means it means you know providing. It means food. You know, yeah. a fish hook. You know, like Maui has you know the, the, his fish hook, and uh, you know you you see that imagery a lot in um, Polynesian culture and stuff. Yeah. So, right. Anyways, that's where we're gonna stop with that. But it means other things that we'll talk about later. Okay. For sweet. Sure. Um, when you press start, it opens up with um, <laughs> opens up with Tu Zanarkand, the the piano piece yes. by Nobuo Ematsu. Now, um, perhaps one of the best tracks written for the whole series. It's, it's really good. It's, it's so good. In fact, my wife recognized it. She was yeah. like, "Wait, this is where that's from? I yeah. know. I she, my wife used to play that song on the piano. She had the sheet yeah. music for it, mm -hmm. and she knew the name of it and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> but she had never she never really it's even known about this game. With this. Yeah." She, yeah. she had played like Kingdom Hearts and stuff, but she didn't play Final Fantasy. Mm. And so she's like, oh my gosh, she got really excited when we saw that. Um, but it's beautiful. But the remastered, the remastered version of this game has an option for um, like, um, like the music tracks. Oh, right. To the be, arranged version versus the original. Yeah, do you want the original or do you want the arranged? And I know the original soundtrack quite well, and that's how I originally played it. So I do the arranged this time. And yeah. it's like, I, I love it. I it's think really it's really good. cool. It's Either really way, good. you can't go wrong. Um, but the arranged soundtrack is is full and just beautiful. It's yeah. so good. And they there's, use the piano collections to Xanarkand. There's been one, maybe just the main battle theme, where I've preferred the original over the oh, arranged. Oh, yeah. But in almost every other case, I prefer the arranged. I, I like the arranged a lot. Yeah. And that's not that's a knock. That's not usually the, the case original. for me. Like, no, me too. We're talking me about too. like near Automata. Yeah. Or not, or not not Automata, just but near Replicant. Yes. Remastered. I preferred the original. I preferred the original. Most of the time. Um, a lot of times, even like Xenoblade Chronicles, I prefer the uh, original yeah. over the remastered. So that's not usually the case for me. In this yeah. case, I like the arranged better. Yeah, me too. Um, so that song is playing in the background. And you, you see three weapons sort of just like yeah. resting on a mound. Yep. So you have like Titus's sword, Yuna's rod, and the, the blitz ball that the blitz Waka ball. uses. Waka's ball, yeah. um, kind of sitting there. And they're all sitting around a campfire and there's quiet, it's like a somber moment. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's almost like there's a heaviness. Mm. They're all feeling. No one's talking. No one's talking, they're just, they're, mm. they're reflecting, they're introspective, they're kind of in their own heads. Yeah. Titus stands up, walks over and puts his hand on Yuna's shoulder. She sort of touches his hand and again, they don't say anything to each other. Mm -hmm. You just get this sense like something is about to happen, yeah. something that they, there's an inevitability well, coming. And you get a sense of closeness, that these are really yeah. close mm -hmm. friends, you know? Yeah. These are people who've been through a ton together. Yeah. And they're just like, they've come to the end of some type of journey and just all the things they've experienced, you know? Yeah. And, and you don't know what's happening, but you can tell, you can feel the tension, and you can, you can see the relationships between these people and how yeah. they all kind of work together. Yeah. It's like it's cool. It, it, it's a it's a really you, it really feels like an end of a journey scene. Yes, and all of them feel a weight and a heaviness. Yep, and just like oh, oh my goodness, like what's going to happen here? Yep. And Titus walks up to look at the ruins 
of a city in the distance. That's such All, a cool design yeah. city too. There's like a almost like a live stream kind of yeah. thing going in the air, yeah. and then there's these little wisps of of light that are just popping up and going around. These mm -hmm. little fairies, you know. Yeah. And it it looks so crazy because that city looks sort of modern, but also it's in ruins. Right? Yeah. So, okay, this is post-apocalyptic. But also like. you're in a desert and things seem kind of old-timey. It's right. hard to pinpoint what genre you're dealing with right off the bat with this. Yeah. It's, it seems just pure fantasy, which is right. cool. And so his the first line of dialogue is spoken in his in Titus's own mind. Yeah. Or, or maybe not even his mind. It's more like fourth wall to the audience, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Listen to my story. This may be our last chance. And it sort of fades That's out. That's it. And at the Final Fantasy X logo yeah. reveal happens there. Um, the, the title reveal, I should say, right? Um, and then it goes into what I would call like the proper first scene of the game. Yeah. See, whenever mm. whenever they do that kind of thing with the, like, Enmedia Res kind of, you know, throwing you into a situation without knowing, I often wonder whether that was intentional or whether they decided later on, to hey, this intro is kind of different. We'd rather give people an idea of how this game will be by throwing an ending scene on the front. Yeah. I don't know if that's how it was written or not, but something about that kind of felt that way. Um, that doesn't mean it was the wrong choice. I think it was, I think it was a fine choice. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do question whether or not that was supposed to be there because it's so short and because there's very little dialogue there and it just kind of... It's just presented as is, and then you go into the actual game, and you almost forget that. It also serves so as the demo scene. <clears throat> so, like, when you leave the start screen alone, it'll just kind of play that oh, okay. scene. And so mm. then you press start, and it just plays it again. Kind of. Mm. It's a little bit like Final Fantasy VIII. No, no, yeah. no, not Final Fantasy VIII. Um, Final Fantasy VIII did not do that. <laughs> uh, what was the other game I was thinking of? Anyways, other games do this, where... Uh, you leave the start screen alone, it'll, like, play yeah. a demo thing, but then, like, when you press start, it'll play the same demo again. Um, anyways. Gotcha. Uh, so, we talked a lot in the FF8 podcast about hooks. Like, what scene do you play yeah. to, like, hook the audience into yeah, the story? Yeah, yeah. Did the opening little, like, fight scene between Squall and uh, Cypher, Cypher and, yeah. and those, you know, like, flashes to other things, did that serve as, like, a great hook in comparison yeah, are to you how interested? Final Fantasy stories had done right. opening scenes in the past? I mm. interviewed Hironobu Sakaguchi oh, yeah, yeah. directly. If, if you haven't seen this on our channel, it's, it's for Fantasian. There's a video I did, an interview for Fantasian, which is Hironobu Sakaguchi's latest game. One of the questions I asked him was, because we were doing the FF8 podcast at the time, I asked him about oh, yeah. how he goes about structuring his intros. Like, is there a method to this? Um, I noticed that there's a difference between how Final Fantasy IV and V and VI and seven, yes. the intros and he are done agreed there. With you. He goes, yeah, and yeah. Versus eight, and eight feels different. He yeah. was, he was just like nodding, like yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. there is a difference. It's, yes. it felt like having done all of this research, I've done into the friction that was happening behind the scenes, yeah, and the split between Sakaguchi and Kitase onto different teams to handle Final Fantasy. It, I don't know this for a fact, but I got the impression based on the enthusiasm behind his response to that question, yeah. that this was part of what he didn't love about FF8 or something okay, like that. Okay, yeah. Again, don't quote me, don't put me on Wikipedia for having like <laughs> confirmed this. I'm just saying, yeah. he had a very different approach to intros yeah. than this team did. And that being said, 
I think the hook of this scene is absolutely phenomenal. It's it extremely is, good. By the end of this yeah. sequence in Xanarkand, I was like, wow, that is awesome. I cannot wait yeah, to see what happens Yeah, the first like next. 15 minutes of this yeah. game are, are, are quite literally insane. Like, yeah. it is so unbelievable what I was watching, yes. but I was so captivated. Yes. Unbelievably captivated. Yes. And as things are happening with that heavy metal song going, yeah. and just the dissonance and the contrast and just the beauty, but the the, the foreign nature of everything, it just yes. seemed, felt so different. Yes. It was so, so unique and, and just so captivating. Like, I don't see how anybody could look at that and not think, like, I want more. Yeah. Like, this, that was, I want to find out what's happening here. Yes. Yes. Like it was so, it might be the best hook I've ever seen actually. It's really good. It was so, so, I just, I remember halfway through as, as um, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, but as, as the city starts to, you know, experience this, what do you call it, apocalyptic event. Yeah. Thinking like, I can't believe how crazy cool this is. <laughs> like, they, I, like, I really can't believe it. Like they really are making me feel this. And this is like. This is so, it's just so well done. Yeah, when I, when I come off the back of FF8's intro to this, it's to me a night and day yeah. difference in terms of its ability to interest me and hook me right away. Mm. Um, with FF8, there's that little FMV video, and but then there's just the this long school period yeah. of introducing you to, the, again, I'm not saying this is bad. And I don't mind that. I think, I, I think that fine. was fine I like for that game. Yeah, yeah. But it just takes a while before you get to the invasion beach Yes. And uh, Dalit. Which is what really hooks you For into the me, game. For me, I always felt like that should have been the intro scene yeah, of the yeah. game. Yeah, and they I could still have had feel more schooling after I that. I still yeah, feel yeah. that way. Mm. Uh, despite the counterpoints that have been made yeah, to yeah. me, I still feel like the Dalit mission should have been the intro because it was the intro right. in the demo of FF8. Ah, there you go. Which to me says it all. They There's wanted a reason to hook why. people into a demo yeah. and get them excited to but buy a game. The they used Dalit, not the school stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, there you go. anyways, this does that. As far as hooks go, this it's is like perfect. Fetching awesome. It is a per in fact, it might be too good. This <laughs> part, part of what I was thinking was like, because I, I, we have exposure to a lot of media, we analyze yeah. a lot of stuff, and like, you know, we're, we're in this world, right? Yeah. But I just could not, and I've played this game before, but I still couldn't believe how perfect the beginning, the first 15, 20 minutes of this game were. Yeah. It's just something else. So you kind of come into this, this, uh, well, it's it's dark outside, so it's like a nighttime thing. But the it's, whole like a, it's like a dark Zanarkand, it's city yeah. of Xanarkand. It's yeah. like a futuristic kind of feel to it. Um, you know, like tall skyscrapers. Yeah, tons, like thousands of them. Walk and walkways and highways and things. And yeah, yeah. Like you said, some of these like uh, water sort of like floating through the air in these streams. A river, yeah, yeah. an arch. Super it's a river, cool, just right? flowing water. Through the air. And I really Multiple. like the new mix they do for the prelude, the Final Fantasy prelude thing. That was a difference. So we talked about the people who did the music here. Yeah. This is a fourth person who did that prelude. Oh, really? He, he specifically was hired to be a keyboardist. He's oh. not so much a composer. He's yeah. just a keyboard kind of guy. He's he a synth this dude. He came up with this version of wow. the Final Fantasy intro. That's cool. And it's like super cool. It's really good. Yeah, and, and, and it gives it that, that appropriate sort of feel that... that um, electric, um, what's the term, like electro sort of vibe to it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that like makes it feel like a futuristic sort of city, but it's got that, that Final Fantasy prelude in it. Yeah, and and cool. I really liked it. And so um, the first thing you see though is some people, you know, kind of gathering around and yeah. you see this ghostly boy mm -hmm. with a purple hood. 
who sort of walks past the camera. Yeah. And he's featured predominantly in this sort of opening sequence. Yeah, yeah. He you keeps see showing up in random places. A little bit, I think only one other time later in terms of what we played through so far, but mm. he's heavily featured yeah. here. Um, and so then we're introduced to our main character, Titus, who is a star athlete. For, he's a blitz ball player mm. for the Xanarkand Abes. Yeah, Xanarkand um, Abes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's, he's kind of coming up to a, group, a crowd of people who are looking for autographs. So yeah. he's signing blitz balls. And yeah, for kids and girls. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look for me in the stands. I'll do this and this you'll know yeah, that that was like for you. <laughs> he, he's got this very uh, charismatic um, personality. It's a pretty sharp contrast from, say, Squall Lionheart, oh, yeah. or Night Cloud from Final yes, Fantasy. A little bit different. more in line with Zidane in Final yeah, Fantasy yeah. IX. Showy and yeah. Yeah, very extroverted. I like... Yeah that aspect of yeah. Titus's personality. He's very personable, expressive, yeah, yeah. outgoing. Um, he, he's not the smartest. Not the brightest dude, but, but he's got a good heart and he's Goku, trying. right? The Goku yeah, there you go. archetype. There you go, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. you know, interacting with people. Now, I, I think I'll just bring this up now. I, I think I want to get it out of the way. Um, there are a lot of people who hate the voice for this oh, character. okay, okay. And I think I understand why. I don't myself. Mm. James Arnold Taylor, who does the voice, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, yeah. is a, I mean, I cannot, I cannot overstate, a mm. phenomenal voice yeah, actor. Yeah. A phenomenal voice talent who can do a billion impressions, like near perfectly. He does, uh, like I said, Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Clone Wars. And mm. he sounds exactly like Edwin McGregor. Yeah. Um, he, he, he doubles for Michael J. Fox as Milo for Atlantis. Um, he does Fred Flintstone in a bunch of cartoons. He does commercials. He does a million cartoon characters and video game characters. And he's got this incredible range. He can do mm. basically any voice you want. Um, he was approached by the director, the, the voice director uh, for the English version of Final Fantasy X because the, the guy heard his voice in, I believe, Atlantis or something like that. It was around that time. And, oh. and was like, your natural voice, your mm. James Arnold Taylor normal voice is perfect for this character, Titus, in this upcoming Final Fantasy X game. Oh, we want you to do it. He didn't even audition. They basically just went Whoa. and got him. Now, I had heard some, um, something about the voice acting here that some of the um, producers actually wanted to get a really famous name. Yeah, that there were actually two particular famous English actors that mm. they had in mind that I don't know who they were. I'm sure maybe somebody does. Say in the comments if you know who those were. But they had some people in mind for who were going to voice uh, Yuna and Titus. Mm. And it was determined at some point, because they really wanted this game to be successful, you know? Yeah. It was determined at some point that they, they didn't want these characters to become attached to those actors. Yes. They didn't want the actors to color people's ideas of what these characters were going to be right. like. And so they went with lesser known people for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so he was brought on. He said he didn't even have to audition for it. But he's basically <laughs> just using his natural voice. Now, a, a lot of voice actors actually have trouble with that. I'm surprised hearing you say that. That's crazy because... The actor, Peter Sellers, famous, famous actor, he always did different voices and he had trouble playing characters that were too close to who he really was. Right. And he had a big, big, big trouble voicing 
voices that were his voice. He said when he's using his normal voice, he's not a very good actor, according to himself. He's like, I can't yeah. be myself. I don't even know who I am. I can, I can be other people, sure, but I can't yeah. just be Peter Sellers. Like yeah. that was his that was his thing. You know, it was very difficult for him to use his normal voice. A lot of people wanted him for his normal voice and he would yeah. like refuse those jobs. He mm. was like, please give me a character to play. I'm not here to be myself. Yeah. I don't, anyways, I, a lot of people are like that, um, especially voice actors. And you don't feel like you're acting when you're just using your normal voice. Right. So I almost wonder if that, I mean, it's a great opportunity for James Arnold, James Arnold Taylor? Arnold Taylor, yeah. To, to be able to do this. I'm sure he wasn't gonna turn the job down, uh, but that a lot of directors and people may not realize that voice actors actually have trouble just being themselves yeah. and doing their own normal voice. Yeah. Like you kind of almost lose your normal voice yeah. when you're constantly doing other people's voices. It's like yeah. what do I sound like? I can yeah. sound like whoever I want. Yeah. Right. Like but what do I naturally sound like? I don't like there's almost an existential crisis there. Yeah. So anyways, that that may color some of what happens a little bit later on. Yeah, and so I mean this is not like a small number of people who do not like his voice. And the main yeah. complaint is always in the realm of he sounds really whiny. Okay. Um, High-pitched, whiny. kind of written that way. But so, I got you. here are my mm. thoughts on this. Um, I love James Arnold Taylor. Mm -hmm. I don't think the actor, I don't think they should have picked someone else. I think he could have been directed differently. He could have done literally any voice that he wanted. <laughs> why, why did they just want his normal voice? So, That's like hell for an actor. I here, just want you to be yourself. Here's like, the oh, thing. crap, what do I do? James Arnold Taylor is kind of a nerd in real life. Okay. And that's not like a, I'm not saying, oh, he's a nerd. Like, I'm a nerd. Like, nerd culture right. has kind of permeated all it's of pop It's become a big right deal now. now. We, we yeah. talk for hours every week about JRPG <laughs> and video games, right? Like. Yeah. Obviously, we're nerds too. So I'm not. I'm not saying that as like a, a bash on him or his character. He's a really awesome person. Yeah. I, I follow his channel and have for yeah, years. Yeah. He does like um, instructional tutorial yeah. videos for on actors, voice and acting, and, and yeah. audio equipment, and how to yeah. get into the industry. And those are things I've considered doing myself because mm. I do audio. Uh, it's part of what I do uh, for my work and things like that. And so I have a whole setup in here very similar to the one he has. And. I use a microphone similar to the one, or, well, he has a million of them, but anyways, <laughs> the point is, like, I follow his channel for those reasons. He's a mm. really cool person. I really like him. Um, but he is kind of a nerd. Yeah. And the character is a pro athlete. Oh. And so I feel I like see, those things are a bit mismatched. Hmm. Now, sure. yeah. what, what you're talking about with the characters written that way, I agree with because, and we'll get into this a little bit because you actually do see some of this. He has some yeah. problems with his father. He has some daddy oh, issues, yeah. Oh, yeah. right? And his father was, what's the word for it? Um, Michael Jordan? <laughs> yes, basically. Oh, yeah. but, but the way he treated him, ah. it, was, it was borderline, well, it was abusive. Let's just call it verbally abusive. Yeah. Um, so Although, he, he grew up yeah. feeling weak. Mm. He grew up feeling like he's not good enough, not strong enough, yeah. he's a crybaby, yep. these sorts of things. He's a very emotionally vulnerable character. And so what I think what I think might have worked a little better for some of these people who really hate it mm. is if there's a little bit of similarity for me with Cloud, the, the character Cloud of Final okay. Fantasy VII, who he comes off very differently. He presents, he projects a very different um, aura early yeah. on yes. to what you get later <laughs> with the character when you actually learn about his past. Yeah. And that's because he's trying to cover 
his perceived weakness mm. with a projection of strength. Okay. And in that case, that's kind of what I feel like Titus is doing, mm. but he's also part of this pro-athlete culture. And me, having grown up playing sports and particularly through high school, yeah. there's, there's a whole culture in there that is very, let's just call it high testosterone, very alpha male dominated, very, <laughs> um, yeah. there's like a machoism to it. Sure. It's about not showing weakness, never giving up. Like even when you're on like the border feeling like you're gonna fail and your muscles are never stop, right? Yes. And th there's, there's a culture around professional athletics that I think would have uh, colored the way that his temperament and personality developed in the way yeah. he would act. And also probably colored the way his father treated him. Treated him. Yeah. And so in order to cover up him feeling mm. like, oh, I'm this crybaby weak person, yeah, yeah. he would have tried to exude his athleticism and his strength and, and a little bit more of that maybe alpha male like projection yeah. is what I feel would have been a natural choice for the voice of the character. Mm. And I think maybe had that mm. been what he chose to do with that, some of this, because I mean, there's like Spoony, um, I don't know if you've seen the Spoony reviews of the Final Fantasy games. He, he was really big years and years ago. And I do it, remember, but I can't He railed on FF8 and FF10 and FF13 in particular. Right. Just like, it, it was funny. Sure, <laughs> sure. It sure. was overdone, it was meant to be funny. But yeah. this was one of the things he would always bring up, how whiny this character sounds. Yeah. And um, again, I think it's fine to leave it as it is. I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, this is a huge detriment to the experience. Yeah. But I do feel like there's maybe a bit of a mismatch between James Arnold Taylor's natural voice and someone who's a pro athlete in the world of Xanarkand. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> that maybe he could have just changed his inflection a little bit and it would have fit in a and, little bit. And to your point, what you're, I think what you're getting at is James Arnold Taylor could have done that yes. easily. Absolutely. He, as an actor, he had the range and the talent yes. to do that. Yes. So this would be more on the director yes. than the voice actor. A voice direction yeah. thing, not a voice actor thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be a common thread anytime we bring up voice acting in this game. Yeah, so, which we will. But anyways, we'll try to be, uh, you know, I, I think that's good to talk about James Arnold Taylor. And yes. That he's actually a human. I'm, that he's like I'm, a person. I'm getting that whole no. talking point out of the way and I'm never talking about it again. <laughs> okay. okay. If you don't like Titus's voice, like, cool I get it I understand that point yeah. of view it does not in any way shape or form like really alter the experience in a way that is super negative for me I, I, I like the actor I think the voice is fine as is it might have been uh, it might have made a little more sense had he been sounded more like an athlete than he does yeah but yeah. I'm not talking about his whiny time, voice anymore <laughs> he is he is he is 17 years old now yes the question of whether a 17 year old would really be the greatest athlete you know that's true but hey, that's how this once in a while. Apparently, that's once in a while that happens. Uh, you get a Kobe Bryant. Kobe got drafted you get at seventeen. A LeBron James, but but they're not the best. No, it at took that him like time. five years before he really. Yeah. Anyways, I, it's that's seventeen, man. That's young. <laughs> Although and gymnasts and stuff, they can pull that the, off. Yeah, the best gymnasts in the world tend really to be teenagers. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh -huh. Okay, so really quickly, another interesting fact about James Arnold Taylor that I forgot to mention during the course of our conversation here, is that he actually recorded the script in order, like chronological order, scene to scene. So he hadn't seen the end of the script and did not know some of the game's biggest twists. 
and that allowed him to react to them very genuinely to have the surprise of those twists be coming from a place of real sincerity since he himself didn't even know where the story was going as he started the recording process. He's talked about this in a couple of his podcasts before. And I do think that that part of his performance is really well done in the game. After hearing that, you know, pay attention to the way that Titus responds to things that are surprising. And I think you'll feel a lot of, like, convincing, genuine surprise coming from the actor himself. I want to talk about the wardrobe briefly. Yeah, let's Because do it. it's, it's wild. It's crazy. Yeah, it's his costume so is different. interesting. It's, so, it's not symmetrical. Like, his left um, pant leg is longer than his right, and he's got a net here, and one thing on one arm, but not the other. You yeah. know? It's super not symmetrical. Um, it almost seems like you just kind of put on whatever as a kid that day, and that's what he wears. Yeah. But I actually really like it because <clears throat> it's different. One of the challenges of games that try to project some type of futuristic um, civilization is, well, what fashion? Like, what do the cars look like? Everyone picks the little Jetsons bubble cars, and it's like, okay, maybe that kind of looks futuristic. But, you know, when you look back in the 60s, you see what they thought the future would look like and then what it looks like now and be like, hey, they were so wrong, right? And so nowadays when you're trying to project uh, a, or you're trying to, you know, well, show a futuristic culture, um, wardrobe is a big problem. What do you do? Do they just dress like us today? Because that's for sure not how they're going to be dressing. We don't mm -hmm. know how they're going to dress, but it won't be how we're dressing right now, right? Yeah. And so the fact that they took so many liberties and the, the clothing being minimal, um, despite my wife's objections, <laughs> this is... Um, a South Pacific, like yes. Polynesian yes. culture here. The, yes. These aren't northern people where it snows all the time and you gotta. It's Bundle windy. Up. Yeah. yeah, this is this is at least the design here was taken after South Pacific, Indonesian, Philippines, and places like that. That's the culture. It's warm. It's hot yes. in this place, right? Yes. This isn't so weird when you look at it that way. Yes, right. I agree. I mean, at, at that point, it's just fashion. It's like, hey, people don't wear as many clothes, right? Yeah. Um, but it makes sense in, given their environment. Yes. So now all we're left with is, well, the fashion is to have you know your items you know be mismatched in this type of way and all that kind of stuff. It just yeah. becomes a, a question of fashion as opposed to, you know, it function. makes sense as opposed <laughs> to function exactly. Yeah. Um, and having such a strange fashion, I actually think lends to. It's part of why the game feels so foreign, yeah. but at the same time, um, like, you want that in yeah. this kind of a game. You yeah. don't want it to be so recognizable, and we don't want them to look like you or me. Yeah. It makes it feel even more fantastical, and I actually really liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. There's basically only one design in the game that I object to, and that's, that's Lulu's belt dress. Oh, but the like, thousand belts, man! Other than that... <laughs> What's she wearing 50 that, belts I, I think for? it's freaking sweet. Like, it's I, really the design, cool. Yeah, the clothing yeah. design's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very that. cool. I liked it a lot. So, um, yeah, so he's signing. Uh, he, he, he makes a, he's, t he's talking to some kids who are like, teach us how to blitz. Yeah. Right? Two, three, teach us how to blitz. Anyway, it's very he, different. He's, t he's like, yeah, you know, I'll teach you how to blitz, you know, later on. Uh, I'll do it tomorrow. And then that purple hooded yeah, kid. Yeah, the little spirit kid like, shows up. You can't do it tomorrow. And we don't, he doesn't question it. No, he, he actually turns back, which yeah. is something I, I really wanted to I like want keep, to know. I wanted to keep a pin in this. Yes, put a bookmark there. Yeah, ear the page. He actually turned back to the purple hooded kid who's ghostly as far as yeah. we know. No one else seems to interact or know he's there. No, no. 
And so he's like, oh, oh yeah. let's do it another day or something like that. Yeah. He says tonight. I think the original was like, yeah, I'll do it tonight. You can't tonight. Yeah, you can't. And oh, like, I'll do it. I'll do it tomorrow time, right? yeah. or something. Okay, I promise. Like, yeah. So, anyways, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Something very deliberate going on there with this kid with the purple hood, right? So he leaves there, and he's sort of walking down. It looks like a highway for cars. It does. But I don't think it is. Well, <laughs> so it looks like a highway for cars just on first glance, and yes. it's like, where are all the cars? Okay. Well, no, there's little um, indents within the ground where a rail could go. Yeah. It seems like, hey, well, maybe it's a rail. Why is he walking well, on a train rail? And people okay. are all standing well, on it. Yes. <laughs> What's up with that? Okay, so it's probably not for trains either. Then it's just a walkway. And this is a big city. How come there's only like five people on this big walkway? Yeah. Well, anyways, it looks like a highway. And it's a cool design. Yeah. It's just, it's hard. I question the function and how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so he looks up at a big kind of skyscraper. And there's like a poster or some kind of digital uh, billboard thing there of yeah. uh, Jacked. Of Jacked. We, we come to know the red bandana. Uh, this is Titus's father, yeah, um, up on a big screen, and he looks up at it, and you can tell he has resentment. He does not yes. like his dad. Yeah, hmm. yeah. You know, sort of like walks past it. So something going on underneath there. But there's like a radio host, sort yes. of like speaking, because this is like the ten year anniversary. Yes, of, of Jack's disappearance. Jack's disappearing from Zanuck. Like I remember where I was sitting when I heard that he wasn't going to play, and it's yeah. like the, a sentimental kind of memory, yeah. kind of. Radio host talking. I think that the Michael Jordan analogy was actually really apt. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if Michael Jordan disappeared and was never heard of again during this the during middle of season. his yes during the middle of his prime as a player. Nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he kind of went to baseball for a while, he but I mean, did, like, but he didn't die. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. imagine instead of going to baseball, he had like gone out on a ship to sea. And that ship and was never, never found again. Never came back. And just like no yeah. one knows if he's alive or dead. He's, pre he's pronounced dead. They assume he's dead. But like yeah. that would be That would be heartbreaking. Huge. That would be horrible. Terrible yeah. thing. I mean, it was bad enough when mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant died in that helicopter After he'd accident. been retired. After he'd been retired. Yeah, because he was still young. He was, it was like still 45 or 43. Horribly shocking thing. Yeah. Right? Just like, wow, that just hits you. That one hit me hard. So that's kind of, player. yeah, that's kind of what's going on here. This is a ten-year anniversary, and they've 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 memorialized him by naming the like the the city tournament, the big blitzball tournament after him. It's the Jecht Memorial yeah, Cup tournament. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so it's like he's announcing this and sort of reminiscing about Jecht's disappearance, and you know this is all going on on radio as you're kind of walking down this path, yeah. and he talks about how the final teams are from the A block, Zanarkin Abe's, and from the C block. The Duggles, but it, but I found it interesting. Oh, yeah. These are re, like district with re, within, within the region of Zanarkand. So yeah, Zanarkand yeah. has many teams. Yeah, it's not just like Zanarkand has one team and they go to different cities. Zanarkand has many teams. Yeah, and so just the one city. It's the C block division, or, or what would you call that district? The C block mm -hmm. district team against the A block district team that are in the finals. Nice. And uh, uh, Titus's team is the A blocked. Abe team, so yeah. that's the team he plays for, right? The Zanarkand Abe's. So he's on his way to the arena. Yeah. And he gets no. hounded at the door. He does. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do because you've already skipped like five of okay, my notes go for here. It. <laughs> just like, there's so much that I just want to talk about here. Okay. So, um, Zanarkand, it's a very corporate city. Everywhere we go, there's like ad advertisements yes. everywhere, but you can't read them. They're not like, 
normal ads, well, they're just, the language there is a little bit different. But you can tell that it's supposed to be an ad. This is all sponsorships, and it's just all yeah. over. Mm-hmm. Especially that place where we're talking to the kids. There's like a pole in the middle, and there's just ads going around it, and mm-hmm. that's it. And it's like neon signs and everything, which is super cool. And uh, something specific to note here with the city is that um, this is a night city. This is a city that does not sleep, yeah. right? So the nightlife is very active. Yes. You look out into the city, every light is on and all of these skyscrapers. And it's like, you can see the stars, you know? It's yeah. so, it is clearly nighttime, but it's hustling and bustling. And One interjection real quick, yeah. just to throw this in there. Um, we don't spoil late game events in the podcast. We kind of take the things as they're revealed. Yes. So we're not gonna spoil anything. But I do want to point out that all the stuff we're talking about is very deliberate. Yes. Everything we're talking Please, about listen has to this. Listen a, to this. <laughs> an absolute purpose. This is not just done because, oh, that design is cool. Yes. Or, oh, having the city be a nighttime city looks cool from a distance in the, in the, in the skyline. Uh, the fact that the, the, the city is having district teams playing against each other you know, all these things I'm pointing out to you, yeah. I'm not just saying it. They, they don't just have that in the radio show for no reason. Right. Like, all of these things are breadcrumb setups yes. to things later in the game. It may sound so, trivial as we talk yes, about it, but it's we're not. pointing this out for a reason. Yes. yes. So this is a nightlife city and all that stuff, right? Uh, you don't really know what it looks like during the day. Here's another interesting note about the city. You cannot see the ground. Mm. Where yeah, because you're always city on archways that are up. You're always up high. There's buildings. You look out into the distance, just buildings, buildings, yeah. buildings. Do you see a mountain anywhere? Do you see a, anything? Do you see grass? Do you see dirt? Yep. You do not see the earth. Yep. You see water and metal. Yeah. That's about it. Right. Yep. So it is just pure. It is, it is high industry to the point of um, kind of separating from the earth. Yeah. Uh, the, the people are separate from the earth. Yeah. Like, Quite a bit, you know. There's right. some symbolism there too. Um, Zanarkand, by the way, is based on a city in Uzbekistan called Samarkand. Oh. Do you know this Samarkand? No. You okay? Samarkand is um, first off. There's the name, right? Which is like, hey, could be coincidence. Uh, but then you look at the way the buildings look in Samarkand in Uzbekistan. They're cylindrical buildings with dome tops. Hmm. And not only that, but as they go into this arena that we're talking that you just mentioned, um, where Titus is just mobbed by people, just swarmed, you know, dozens of people, and he can't even get through, you know, he's got to push through the crowd to get in there. There's these statues, right, next to it, and then there's this wall going up with these archways, very, very interesting shaped archways. They're, they're not uh, rounded on the top, they kind of go up to a point on the top. It's yeah, kind of yeah, like a medieval yeah. style archway. Mm. It's an Islamic design, actually. Oh. Um, and it is in the city of Uzbekistan, and it's specifically how some of the temple work and some of the oh. it's this is an old city by the way so samarkand is one of the oldest cities in asia wow. it's been around for thousands and thousands of years um and it was a bustling metropolis it was like a capital center where all the roads met in samarkand this may have some significance um for the story as well just be aware so it uh, it when, was a thriving metropolis that slowly you just mentioned the archway being part of temple designs it's interesting yes. if that appears in front of the blitz ball Yes. Arena. Yes. Because it's almost well, like Blitzball is their yes. religion. <laughs> so remember this. And I, I have a whole paragraph on this. But you know the kids when they when we're leaving and it's like, hey, see you later, we'll see you at the game. The kids do, they that. do that. The sign, s- right? Yes. And then they bow. Yes. And as you play through the game, you realize that that symbol um, is... Became a religious became symbol. Became a religious symbol. Later. 
but it is important to note the similarities just in general between sports and religion. Yes. Extremely. Just, I, I just was talking to my about, dad about this the other yes, day. Yes. Think about what you do. <laughs> a sports arena is a temple. Yes. It is a temple where everyone goes to worship the gods, right? Yep. And it's a battle of the gods. Yep. You've got the Phoenix Suns, the sun god, right? <laughs> Playing against the uh, Sacramento Kings, the, the god of the kings. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, right. And, and the, the, the gods are going to clash via their priests that officiate, you know, within the rules you know, mm-hmm. on the court. And these are, these are the priests. These are the high priests that are allowed. They're, they're the high status of the religion to, that are allowed to officiate in the ordinances or whatever you want to call it. And then you have the next level down and there's the, you know, the, the people are cheering. You, you paint your face. You wear the colors of your team. You dress in the holy garments rituals of your temple, of your God. Do, yeah. Yes. And it's, it's incredible. It's just amazing. <laughs> and you chant and you say the words and, and you repeat. And it, it, you, you, go you watch the drama. You religions. go to war <laughs> and you watch the drama unfold of the game. And, and anyways, and you're, you're literally, it's per- almost like a form. Persecute those in the other. Yes. <laughs> it's the, what is, there's an Old Testament story, which is um, where the priests say, which God's better? And ba- Baal is here and all of his priests are trying to make a fire happen in their altar. And then the Jehovah guys are over here doing their altar. And then there's also a Asherah is doing their altar, but it's all the women, the priestesses. And then God picks the Jehovah one and then oh, kill, they killed all the other priests. They literally had them all killed. And it was like, okay, maybe they had to do that. Maybe they didn't. Uh, but all the Baal priests got killed. Um, but that's, that's like what it is, right? And you know ancient Maya, they had that ball. It's like a soccer type game they yeah. play where they'd sacrifice the yep, team the loser, at the end of it. The sports being religious is like, it may sound weird, but really just think about it for it's, a minute. It's really Just not. think about it. It's not. And you even have like a, a form of worship or imitation, which is the kids have their idol. We, like the words idol, right? Like... Uh, Michael Jordan was an idol for all these kids. Shaquille yeah. O'Neal, Kobe. I'm in the 90s. Sorry, I don't know modern <laughs> basketball players anymore. Yeah, LeBron. <laughs> LeBron's James, still playing, right? <laughs> you've got uh, Steph Curry, James There's Harden, one. Steph Curry. So the Curry. kids are uh, one of the um, ideas of worship is imitation, right? Yeah. Right. You take the Holy Communion because Christ did the Last Supper. You get baptized because you're following what Christ did. You know, it's like a part of worship is imitation. So you, you've got these kids that are growing up playing basketball, hoping mm-hmm. that maybe one day they could become the high priests that gain the favor of the gods and, and lead their city, you know. And also the way like ancient Egypt work, it was whatever religion you were just depended on whatever temple you lived near, yeah. right? So if you lived near the Aten temple, you mm. worshiped the sun god because that's where you lived, right? Yeah. And that was the area. And there were like thousands of temples, but most of them weren't for the same god. They were all for different and gods. And depending on the city you live in, that's Whatever. the sports team exactly. you Exactly. Like. Yeah. And you can be like, oh, I prefer the Boston Red Sox because I wear red socks. And, but it's like, <laughs> okay, but are you ever going to see them play? Yeah. Maybe, maybe if you're in the right league, maybe once a year they might come to your city. Yeah. That's the best you can do. You really ought to change religions and worship the Phoenix Suns if you live in Phoenix and, and not, you know, whatever. Or I guess it would be the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, you could better worship the Diamondback snake god um, instead of uh, the Red Sox because, like, sorry, dude. That's but the Red is. Sox aren't coming over for, yeah, for a while. Yeah, you're not going to see them. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, that was a tangent. Sure. That was a tangent. But it's super important to note the similarities, especially in the way that the crowds revere and worship these athletes as though they are gods. Yeah, outside of the temple, you've got these statues of these, um, well, I say temple, outside of the arena, 
which same thing, right? Yeah. You've got these statues of these gods with their spears and they're facing off against each other. And then you have this wall that's like a wall of a temple with the arch doorways, just like the Islamic designs of Samarkand in Uzbekistan. And you enter into the sacred space and you perform the, you know, the ritual. And it's like, it's no wonder that something like a sporting event can, can evolve into essentially a religion. Turned into yes. a religious symbol yes. later that on. That it all becomes religious because it's all essentially religious in nature from the get go yeah. to begin with, yeah. you know? Uh, the FMV here is really impressive for the blitz ball game. Oh, it's it, so cool. It's, it's, it's really It is good. so cool. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's playing this kind of like metal theme as like, because he's, he's there kind yeah. of like relaxing before the game, right? He's got some like water droplets on his face. Yeah, yeah, and you and don't then, quite know. I assumed he was like in a locker room or something. Yeah. But then the lights turn on and it's just like, oh man, this is so <laughs> cool, this is so cool. This is the beginning of the sequence that I identify where I'm just like, I cannot believe how awesome, how this, awesome this was. <laughs> this is how, where it starts. Yeah. And so the, the the sphere in which they play, right? It's almost like there's almost a gravity field and the water fills up in like a spherical, it sort of like expands outward. And so they're yeah. playing inside of this With sphere like this of electricity water. kind of thing going, yeah, that, you know? Kind of like that helps yeah. it hold its shape or something. And then it just, it explodes. It just yeah. pops yeah. and the crowd, just like we were saying, the crowd just <laughs> explodes with it. cheers and just like, that was dope, you yeah. know? And boom, the arena's set just in one moment of, right. I don't know how they fill up a water bubble that right. big with electricity. Right. <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but they did it and it was just like, yeah, you know? Yeah. So cool. So they're playing Blitzball and as this game is going, you see Auron standing on like a high precipice and mm-hmm. he, it's, it's expectantly it's 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 as if he knows what's coming yeah he's expecting it and he points at it as sin the we'll just call it uh, aquatic monster begins approaching with this, this tidal wave it's like he's like lit, coming off in the distance puts his and he's just yeah, pointing yeah. at it Orin? as it's coming towards him yeah yeah. So oh, is that like, what he's doing? Yeah. I thought he was like doing a gesture like yeah, this. Yeah, so it's not like he's okay. summoning it. Right. But he's pointing yeah. it out. As Fair if enough. like, good, I good. see you, you're on the way. Good uh, and, distinction. And he he seems to know it's coming and he's almost nonchalant as he walks through the city while everyone's panicking. Yeah, as he walks in that puddle and then the droplets start yeah, going start up. start floating up. And it's like, this, yep. this is where it just starts getting crazy. Like, what am I watching? Mm-hmm. The the rules of reality are breaking before my eyes, yeah. right? Like, this is crazy. I've never, even to this day, I've never seen anything quite like this FMV. Yeah. And and how cool it is and yeah. how it contrasts with that heavy metal music. And, and it's just so cool. But yeah, he steps in the water and all of a sudden gravity starts to reverse. Everything behind him starts going upwards towards yeah. this big, like, water. It's like a tsunami. You know, but it's not. Yes. Because it's just sucking everything it's in. It's a giant sea monster. Yes. That starts attacking the city, destroying it, killing people. Buildings are falling apart. And in the middle of this blitzball game. So, like, yeah, the, the, the mechanism sort of, like, breaks down and, and Titus has to, like, grab onto something because the water yes. sort of, like... Well, the thing, the um, s- sin shoots out these like missiles going towards yeah. So Titus jumps out of the water, does the sick backflip. <laughs> He's about to kick the ball. It's gonna be the coolest thing you've ever seen. But he sees all of a sudden these missiles coming right towards him and everything just like, I actually the think whole arena gets This broken. is the move he does later when he's in Spira. And the he spinning sees one. Where he comes out of the water and oh, he flips yes. and kicks the it's ball. That one. It's and, that and, one. and he impresses Waka with the, yes. it's the same move. It's it, cause he hits it with his head and then he 
kicks flips, it, does and then, a bicycle and then he kick. He sees in slow motion Sin yeah. starting. He's like, "Oh my goodness, what is this?" Yes, and his boom. And you can almost see it reflecting away. in his eyes. Yeah. One one interesting note about Blitzball is that it was inspired by pod racing. So, you know, <laughs> connect those two dots however you want to. But also in 2000 or 2002, the World Cup, the FIFA World Cup, I think, was held um, in Japan. Oh, and yeah. they were kind of doing a little connection kind of thing here, putting in things like a bicycle kick and uh, general soccer elements within Blitzball was sort of a little bit of a, like, adding to the excitement of the World Cup that was coming uh, that to Japan. Sense. I think yeah. Japan and Korea joint hosted it together that year. Yeah. Um, but I think that's why they added in some of those elements. Yeah. It's super cool, though. Super yeah. cool. Blitzball's cool. And we'll talk maybe more about the minigame itself and yeah. mechanically how it feels well, to play it. It looks but cool. <laughs> it looks cool. It, 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 it's a cool-looking yeah. sport. <laughs> I was thinking if you actually played this game, it would be scuba divers, basically, and yeah. it would be so slow. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be fun to watch at And all. maybe I'll hold off on this for a second, but we'll talk about the length at which these players can hold their breath underwater and stuff Kay. a little bit later. Okay, um, There is good. some more explanation for it, but... I just love how you feel the excitement of the game, and then you contrast that with like absolute death that is coming, that yeah. is going to kill everybody. Yeah. And they're still just playing this game, and yeah. that music is just you know yeah. just shredding, you yeah. know. Yeah. And it's just like, what am I feeling? Like I don't know what my emotions are, but there's a lot of them, and they're all something big is going to happen here, and you can just feel it. It all comes together, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, that thing shoots its missiles at him and the whole, everything breaks. And it's interesting to note that he shoots that area. That's the temple, right? So you got this temple where he they destroys worship. Their, he destroys their the, religious and temple. And as soon as he comes out, when after he falls, you've, those statues that I mentioned before, they're, they're torn to pieces. They're on yeah. the ground. They're mm -hmm. broken. And the arena is destroyed. The, the sphere of water is gone. But when you look up and see what did it, it's a sphere of water up in yeah. the air. Mm -hmm. So it's almost as if God has <laughs> turned himself into the God that they had. They were worshiping this, like, this God of their sport, you know? Yeah. And then this jealous God shows up in and destroys the their temple their... in the image of their God, basically. Yeah. And, well, I know they didn't worship the arena specifically, but I think there's something there, you know? And it destroys their temple... It destroys their religion. They flee the temple before the power of, of the true, you say the true God, that is in that form. That's the form it kind of chose. Yeah. I think I wrote that a little bit differently somewhere else, but um, that's more or less the idea. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that that's what it looks like. It's like, you guys, I'm going to show you what it really means, you know? Yeah. I want to talk for just a minute about Aaron's design a little bit. Um, because this is, you know, it's a very cool design. I think Aaron is my favorite character in this game. He's great. Um, we're not going to get to know him much until later, mm. later, later. But um, He's good in Kingdom Hearts, too. Yeah. <laughs> he has his arm kind of out of the sleeve of his kimono, right? Yeah. Like this. And that, that look, that sort of like look for a samurai has, yeah. I think, become... Uh, what's the word for it? Like conjoined with the idea of a ronin oh, in ronin, like yeah, traditional yeah. samurai movies. Yeah. Um, and things like that, which I think um, uh, Kurosawa really like, yeah. like helped to like establish. So yeah. like the idea of like they got like the jug of the sake, yes, and they got like the arm out, like yeah, it, yeah, almost yeah. like it's in a sling, but it's outside of their um, outside of the sleeve or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, so what I had heard in the past and kind of doubted if it was actually true was 
that Ronin would, who, who are masterless samurai. So yes. samurai whose masters have died or, or were betrayed somehow. Or right. They no or longer have soldiers. Yeah, 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 someone that they serve right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like a wandering they samurai. They do their own thing. That they would do this as some sort of sign of uh, shame that they, they, they don't mm. have a master or something. That's what I had heard mm. all the times I had researched Oren's design. Interesting. And it's like, that sounds so bogus to me. Yeah. That can't be right. <laughs> no, Japan, a culture that's obsessed with no shame and honor, they yeah, don't just show their shame show on that, purpose right. like that. Yeah, that so doesn't sound So I started right. looking into this. Like, where did this come from, right? Um, Yojimbo was one of the Kurosawa films in particular where they yeah. had a character with the arm outside like that all the time, right? Um, and so there were some interesting a- answers here. Um, uh, this, is, this comes from a Jesuit missionary, uh, Louis Freud, who was uh, mm. basically saying that the Japanese people, men and women both, didn't like to feel restricted, so they would kind of put their arms back into their kimonos and not have them in the sleeves like that, either to bundle yeah. up when it was cold. I've or seen that when they're cold. Things like that. So that there's like, um, you know, accounts of this sort of thing as mm. being a thing of their culture. So like that was like the first thing I kind of came across was like maybe this is kind of where this idea of not like putting your arms in the sleeves might have come from. Hmm. But there are actually images of samurai who are doing this. So nice. um, cool. there's an image here like in the 1800s, like end of the Edo period basically, of um, Sakamoto Ryoma, Ryoma or yeah, Ryoma, yeah, yeah. Um, who is doing that. His left arm appears to be held inside the kimono out of the sleeve like this. Uh, it's an iconic image from the end of the Edo period. Uh, he was a famous samurai and sometimes mm. a ronin who affected this style. Um, so it seems like it was something, basically, I won't get too much into this because I don't want to get bogged down on it, but as I was looking into this, what, what this appears to be, because there's even like art in things where it shows them doing this, right? Oh, yeah, on that yeah. side of the sleeve, from, from that time period, like art, it's like depicted in their art and things from the Edo period. What it seems to be is that it's, it has a basis for something that people did yeah. that we might not completely understand contextually to the society of the time. But in the similar way to where knee-high leather cowboy boots with giant metal spurs on them and a mm. six at your side became yeah. the image of a cowboy sure. that is iconic from yeah. Western films. Yes. And it's like you see that and you go, that's a cowboy. Yeah. But if you Whether actually went back in time, yeah, they yeah. probably didn't look like that at all. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right? And this yeah. is probably a similar thing that Kurosawa films did for Ronin and Samurai. Was mm. like, this is the style of Ronin we see in the yeah. old samurai movies that created an iconic image of what a Ronin looks like. Yeah. And that's sort of just like, that's instantly recognizable in Japanese culture today as being, that's a ronin. They wear their arm like this. Hmm. They have the sake bottle. <laughs> right? <laughs> always that's a, that's that. a ronin. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that our cowboys are designed in our Western films. I but like it probably like doesn't that. have much basis in fact. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably so, not. So what this probably is, is just a way that the culture of Japan would instantly recognize mm. Aaron as he looks like a ronin or whatever the Spira equivalent of that would be. Yeah. And we'll learn more about that 
later in the story. That's funny because I mentioned wardrobe earlier and how it's like not identifiable yeah. in any way. Right. And it's interesting that you know they, they made this choice so that people would identify them, so that yeah. he wouldn't look so foreign. Yeah. He would look like something that they can they know what to expect from him. Right. Whereas we don't know what to expect from anyone else right. because we I've never seen any of those clothes before yeah. in my life. I have <laughs> right. no idea who they are. But then he shows up and it's like, all right, I kind of get this. I get it a little bit. Yeah. So anyway. Just thought I'd talk about that real quick. But yeah. um, oh, okay, here's the other idea: reality is literally dissolving while they're playing blitzball, entirely unaware. Yeah, I feel like there's um, some deeper. They're trying to say something a little deeper about that, right? You know, the world is ending, and they're just playing a game. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to do that. That's thing. all good. Um, okay, Sin, this is it. Sin presents itself as their god, a large blitzball field of water, <laughs> as it destroys their idols. People now flee the destroyed temple in fear of the judgments of God. I love that. Dream. Destroys their idols, man. Yep. Because that's pretty much what's going on. That's and totally we'll what's learn, going on. We'll learn a lot more about the context of this yeah. later in the game. But yeah, it's basically, it, it feels like a society who has they evolved. Don't have, they, they don't, don't have religion. They've forgotten the gods. Yes. Yeah. They worship an idol, which is yes. their blitzball and their other things. Yes. And God came down to basically like punish them for this. Flood the earth. That's basically Reset. what this is. Yeah. Right. Noah's Ark stuff. Restart, yeah. a Noah's Ark to sort yeah. of restart to society. Yeah, that's what it feels like. That's, yes. I feel like that's a good analogy. Um, okay, so as Titus comes out of the arena, Aaron is waiting for him, right? And he's just like, Aaron, like, what are you doing here? Aaron, so, yeah, so they know each other, Yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like, they're, they're, we they know saw Aaron not afraid of this thing at all, totally yeah. expected, first time we've seen him. It, it, he's portrayed yeah. as a bad guy. He's like a mentor. To Titus. But he shows up and we know him and we're friends. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. Right, we, I don't know what to do. Do I trust this guy or not? Yeah, That's right. really good, by the way. Mm -hmm. I like they, it. <laughs> they did that so well yeah. that, like, do I trust this guy or not? And that's going to carry through a lot of the game. Yeah. So uh, he recognizes him. They go off together. Um, as, as he's sort of following Aaron, time freezes for sort of an extended period here. As the purple hooded boy yeah. is on the is in front of him again, it's like everything freezes, and Titus is like, "What's going on?" And and he mm -hmm. sees the boy, and what the boy says is, "It begins. Don't cry. Don't cry. Yeah, not gonna." Now this was the part that I said, "This is stylistically so Nomura to me." <laughs> yeah, this is so Kingdom Hearts, a, 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 a Kingdom Hearts way of setting up a mystery. Yeah. Right. Like, how do I make a mysterious character? What's the type of dialogue they would have? Just be like, purposefully very vague. Yes. <laughs> this has the stylistic oh, stamp of like Tetsuya Nomura, create, Creative Business Unit 1, mm -hmm. all over it. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. It's I, I just, just saying I notice. It does feel that's very That's how hearts. they tend to do it. And that game came out very close to this game. They yeah. were both released at a. Not quite the same year. Maybe the same year, though. I don't know. 2002-ish, yeah. something like that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they were being co-developed side by side, and Tetsuya Nomura working on both of them. Yeah. So I, I, I'm positive that some ideas kind of seeped back and it forth. Is, the stylistic method here for building an intrigue or a mystery yeah. is so, like, married to the style of Kingdom Hearts mm -hmm. that it's just yeah. very obvious to me, right? Yeah, that it's I, the I same it. people making it. I see it, too. Um, so he catches up with Aaron a little bit later when time resumes, and uh, Aaron tells him as he's looking at the monster, right, we called it Sin. So he, he names the monster Sin. Yeah, he knows a lot about this thing he knows that exactly just showed up to kill is. everyone. <laughs> he totally knew it was. Yeah. He totally expected it. 
So as they're looking at it in the distance, little like uh, like pieces of its body fly off. These yeah. little sin spawn. Yeah, where it shot the missiles, they like stuck into the buildings and yeah. there's this like tentacle and yeah, these spawn just show up and we have to fight them all. Really cool, by the way, that the city's burning while it's also on water, mm-hmm. right? There's just water everywhere. There's waterfalls coming out of the buildings. Yeah. What did you think about that? That was cool. Isn't that the coolest <laughs> thing ever? Yeah. Waterfalls out of the buildings, just streams of water everywhere, and the city's on fire. Yeah. Like, contrast, yeah. man. That was well done. That, yeah. is, that is cool. Visually So, uh, as they're attacking, Arun gives Titus a sword. Um, so again, it's just he was obviously planning, not, yes. maybe not planning, but like expecting he an extra sword. And this is he, he was planning for this, yes, is probably the better way to put it. Yes, he, he knew it was coming, so yeah. he has a sword for him. And then he tells us it was our father's yes, sword, yes, a right? gift from Jack. And look at the look at the way that sword looks, yeah, it looks like a hook. Yep, it's it's red, it's red, yep. crimson red, and it goes up, it's jagged like lightning, and it's got that hook uh, motif that is very Polynesian, very cool, yeah. A gift from Jekt. So this is directly, and because his response to that is my old man. Yeah. So this is the first time we're connecting Jekt, the man who disappeared, the Michael Jordan of this yeah. society, as Titus's father. As his father. Now I didn't check the Japanese he would have used for my old man. Um, I don't know what they would have said there, but it was likely just a really rude way to refer to your own father. Oh sure, typically like a non-formal will, way. Yeah, typically you will refer to your own father, especially if he's not present, at, in a in a in a respectful way. Yeah. Um, Unless you're just talking to a friend, which he is, so it could it could easily be that. But I, I feel like there's something in the way that he refers to it, um, to his father as his old man uh, that purpose. in the Japanese may actually show a little bit of disrespect. Yeah, re- disrespecting yeah. on purpose, kind of. Yeah, thing. on purpose, exactly. That probably would have been the best way to translate I didn't, that. That's I like didn't the most informal way to say my dad. Yeah, my old man. <laughs> my old man. It's, it's, well, Xenogears has a line like that, right? Yeah. Where it's the. The, you, you mean my dad line, yeah, the famous oh, line, you he's know? like, and, my father, you mean my dad? And the Japanese used there was was a different word for father that's less common, so yeah. it could be that. Um, so they pass another poster, like, image of Jekt in the city. And it, it, Titus, like, in the middle of this destruction, yeah. takes the time to notice it and say, what are you laughing at, old man? <laughs> He just hates his dad a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's like his dad's in his head. His yeah. dad is just constantly... His dad lives rent-free in his yes, mind. Yes, <laughs> rent-free, just right there, taking up tons of bandwidth. Yeah. yeah what um, are you laughing at? So anyways, you fight some more Sinspawn. They do some tutorial kind of things. Um, and then the really cool part happens where... Yeah. Like... Oh, real quick, though. There's um, another round of barrage of missiles that is fired from Sin. And hits a building with Jekt. Yes, on and it, it falls on him. Yes. I noticed that. Yeah. And it comes now. I just love this. I love this, right? Sin destroys the city and brings Titus's dad. <laughs> Titus and his father together. Anyway. Okay, <laughs> so I think I think we're in the right place. So the kid we keep seeing has a symbol on his back. They showed it very oh, deliberately. Yeah, yeah. It's a circle with another circle in the middle and six arms like waves going out, hold on, I wrote this down here. So a circle with six arms pointing out like waves spiraling into the center. So that has great um, significance. He also has six golden medallions. So three on each side. Yeah. And then three, uh, six arms of um, a wave that is spiraling. Anyways, the land we end up going to is called Spira. I can't help but think yeah. that that's yeah. some type of, just that symbol Symbolism there almost that. kind of tells you what's happening 
just in an icon, you yeah. know, in a way that it's just there. It's off to the side. You wouldn't even really pay attention. I sure didn't when I first played this game. But looking at it now, I'm like, that is, um, that's actually very interesting for, you know, the way the whole game kind of plays out. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the, the kind of roadway that they're on, the walkway they're on, kind of yeah. breaks apart and it starts to be like raised up into the sky. This shot is so cool too. I know. Towards dude. like an opening that's like happening in the sky where, where yeah. Sin's body is floating up there, right? And just this like is where opening. everything is going just haywire. Yeah. It is absolute madness. Everything, um, the, the reversal of gravity is in like full effect. Everything is just moving upwards, mm. which is fascinating because the town is being destroyed by, by being elevated, yeah. right? That's unusual. That's yeah. very uncommon. Yeah. And I, I just have too many notes here. I'm just gonna have to read. <laughs> just, just bear with me for a few minutes here. Now I say, what is happening? Um, so most of this, okay, I'm talking about the clashing and the dissonant music and it just very emotional. Uh, most of this is confusion and wonder. That's the emotions that I'm feeling. Yeah, the, the, the music is not like, wonder. the music is not dark or like, um, dangerous sounding. It's almost like At that point, mystical yeah. and oh, like very much so. mysterious. That and thing is calling to us. Yes. It's killing everybody. Everyone in the city is dead. Yeah. But there's a there's a lure. Yeah. There's an alluring, an alluring nature of this item that's in the air. Yeah. So and I've got this written down. Confusion and wonder. <laughs> what is happening is abstract, like right out of a dream. In fact, the whole sequence here feels a lot like a dream. A nice, fluffy, happy dream that slowly turns into a nightmare. Yeah. Like Inception, when the laws of nature begin to bend and reality yeah, 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 yeah. starts to break down. Remember in Inception like. where mm -hmm. the city like kind of folds on top of itself? Yeah. And it's like... I. I I remember watching that movie and thinking, holy crap, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. Dude, Final Fantasy X. <laughs> I hadn't right played there. it when I saw Inception. Oh, though. right. But it's that same feeling where yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, what is happening? This is so crazy. Okay, now, hold on. Yeah, and I mentioned where's the nature. We're not seeing anything natural here. Yeah. Everything is, well, Aside other than from water. Water, but like That's there's it. no trees, there's yes. no animals, there's nothing no resembles nature. Yeah, earth no earth or grass or. No plants. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Um, almost nothing resembles nature except for the general existence of water, which is made to behave unnaturally. So mm. even the water, they're shocking it with electricity into becoming a sphere, into behaving mm. in an unnatural manner, right? They have just bent nature to its breaking point, it yeah. seems, right? Mm. They've bent the literal laws of nature to where it just can't exist anymore. All reality has broken down, and it almost seems like they did this. Yeah. They did that. They worshiped these false gods and idols. They they didn't have respect for the laws of nature and they slowly called upon themselves this ridiculous calamity that is just destroying everything. Okay, so we've got the kid. Auron tells us to look up. We see a massive ball of water consuming everything like a black hole. This is, of course, reminiscent of the game Blitzball, but Auron calls it Sin, which is a fascinating name yes. for many reasons. We haven't right. even talked about that. We'll, we'll get more into that later because Sin, you know, comes back. Um, fascinating name for many reasons. Um, the Japanese word for death is shi, right? Yeah. So it's called shin, which uh, is translated shin. So just so people know, the Japanese tend to have um, difficulty saying si, the si. Yes. Um, same thing with t. And there's certain words that for whatever reason, when it comes to making the i sound, they will say chi instead of t. They will say 
she instead of C. Yeah. Now they can say C. I'm not saying they can't say it, but their alphabet doesn't have a, a character for C. It's just she. That's how they do it. So sa she su se so. That's just it's she. That's how they do it. But so they call it shin, and that's translated as sin. But what you don't get is there's also a dual meaning. It also means death. Mm. It means like death. So what is coming isn't. I feel like there's an analogy both ways to sin and death. I mean, yes. the death one's pretty obvious, right? Right. Um, so she knew, for example, means to die. She knew. Gotcha. Right. So and this thing's called shin. Okay. Shin Megami. Exactly, like Shinigami or Shin Megami means death god or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I love the highway shot where Titus and Jack are forced to be together by the destruction. Uh, things aren't falling to destruction; they are ascending to the judgment of God. That's what I fed here. Yeah. They move upwards, away from the material world, which is where the city was moving anyways. They were right. getting away from nature, so they're being assumed up into. Well, I'm not kind of a heaven, but this is like a demiurge. This yeah. isn't like God. Right. This is like right. the demiurge, right? Which for those of you who don't know, that's the Gnostic interpretation of something approximating a physical the creator of the material world. God, not yes. the spiritual, yes. true, pure, perfect Not the God. true, pure God of that's the, the monad, um, monad. monad. The single yeah. source the God. The demiurge yeah. is the corrupted the demiurge, physical exactly. material God. Yeah. But it seems to be that seems to be kind of the God that they're kind of playing with here. Yeah. Um, things are not falling, they're ascending towards God. They move upwards away from the material world and towards transformation, right? That's the upward movement is towards being transformed. Um, the final breakdown of reality happens as we enter the watery black hole. In this, water symbolizes death, but we also pass through fire. It begins mm. to change. This is why it's a symbol of transformation. It also it's like a birth canal kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah, but right. Especially given that we go through it and we are reborn into a new world, right? Uh, speaking so, on that, you're going to have a video kind of talking am. about this in the future. <laughs> birth of a hero I archetype, am. right? The birth of a hero archetype in video games and Final Fantasy X is definitely part of that. Um, we pass through fire and water into pure light, right? As soon as we go into it, and this is the part where we're at here. So, um, Aaron grabs us. And before, it's like he's going to save us, right? But for mm. whatever reason, he's leading us towards this thing, yeah. right? Now, we trust him, clearly. Well, Titus trusts him. And so, but at some point, it's like, why are we going towards it, <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's just where he was leading us, and Titus doesn't really question it until Aaron picks him up, and then the, we start moving upwards because gravity is at this point pulling everything upwards, except for Aaron, it seems. He can stay down for whatever reason. Um, and he looks up towards Sin, and it's almost as if they're, He's communicating something from And him. he says, are you sure? Yes. Okay, and then he says, this is the beginning of your story. Yep, it all And then here. he throws us up, and then he also goes in. And I like that Everything effect. just like it's, it's, stretches. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's, like, um, it's like a black hole almost, right? Like the, the, the closer you get to the event horizon, yeah. right? It starts ah, to yes. pull you yes. and stretch you into an infinite Exactly. Small space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the effect is like it's just like stretching up into it's there. It's just like a like, black hole. Like you're entering the event horizon almost. Yes. It's really cool. Effect. That's super cool. And um, it's like the thing it morphs too because it's water. But as soon as we get close to it, it turns into like a fleshy looking yeah. thing with this hole in the middle, right? Yeah. That resembles something of, a, of like a birth canal. But then as we get even closer to it, it turns into fire. And we're literally going into fire. And then it goes from that into pure light. So you have something like a transition and uh, a transformation from water to flesh to fire to light, right? And it just like like moves us up. 
straight yeah. up into, well, who knows where. But <laughs> that's the idea. It's it's yeah. transformation, and, and it's it's like a birthing sequence, and it's freaking crazy. It's really I, I never thought about it this way, but this is a totally an isekai story. Oh, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it's 100%. He got isekai. He got isekai, but <laughs> to to his own world again. <laughs> yeah. In right. a different way, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it is isekai, but it's also like a yeah. weird take this on isekai. This was probably the first isekai I actually remember seeing in my life. That oh, I, yeah. I had never heard of that term before. Wow. But anyway, I had just never thought of it that way, but it's totally an isekai story. Um, but before you actually get to Spira, yes, there's, there's, there's the one. We got to talk about this uh, sort of transitional sequence here, and it starts at he's like swimming, but he's swimming in the air, and he's looking out at the yeah, symbol, it feels his like father's water. symbol. Yes, the um, burning in the, the distance on the Zanarkandabes. Yeah, it's yeah. burning. And, and again, he he identifies that symbol as a Jack symbol by yeah. saying "my old man" again, or yeah. like "old man" or something. And he's then, like looking at it. Don't we hear? A voice that's not his voice as well saying something. I swear we heard. You, yes, I vaguely remember that. What the we fuck? heard. He says a thing. Hold on, let me pull. I it can't up. remember what it is. So in the Japanese version of the game, not apparently finding out now, not in the English version, but in the Japanese version, as soon as we get, well, before we get isekai completely, but as soon as we get into the black hole to begin with, uh, there's an older voice that shouts "Oi, oi," which is translated as "Hey." Hey, yeah. but it's an. It seems to be an older voice. Yes, and that is not in the English. It no, seems. it's only in the Japanese. Now that's crazy. So in the Japanese, there's somebody that shouts our name, and then Titus says, "My old man." Yeah. Right after that, right. but Titus is looking at the this symbol. symbol, the the Zanarkand Abe symbol. But before that, only in the Japanese version, it seems that somebody shouts to him before. While the screen is pure white. Yes. Yeah. That's really and interesting. I need to look into exactly who that is, so we're going to get back to everyone on that. Yeah. Because I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I thought, well, if it's in English, I'll recognize the voice, but it's not there. It's in not there. That voice does not say, hey, hey, in English at all. That's so fascinating. So I wonder why it was taken out, and I wonder who it is, and all that stuff. So we're going to have to get back to you guys next week. But somebody is talking to us here. Mm -hmm. And Titus's first response in the Japanese is, Oyaji, which is my old man. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, something to look into there. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, but yeah, he's looking at the symbol, the burning symbol in the distance. He says, my old man. So yep. it connects that symbol to Jack. He swims down and then approaches a boy, which is yes. the younger version of himself. But right? uh, so when you approach and you enter the cutscene, it's the boy. And he's dressed like us. So it's obviously yes. us. But before you enter the cutscene, you see it's a woman. It's not a boy. Oh, really? And it's like his mother. Oh, now, wow. let me real quick. That I didn't know. Yeah. I thought it was just the boy. No, it is in the cutscene, but if you just look. Here, watch this. It looks like Orin to me. Ah. Like a like a. Like you're a right. I thought it was visage. a woman, but I'm looking at this, and I think you're right. I think it's Orin. I think it's a ghostly visage of Orin. I thought, no, because there's a kid next to him. I thought that this was a woman... And a kid standing next to the woman. It's That's really hard way to no no. Tell. Look this is this one you can see it a lot better. Oh, that is better. It's clearer. Yeah, there's a boy is that standing Oren? next to yeah. him. Yeah, there's a boy and Orin or a boy and his mother. I can't tell if that's Orin or his mother. It's hard to see. They're, they're really transparent, so it's kinda hard to make out features. Ooh, that's pretty good though. 
It doesn't look like Orin in this version. No. In this video. A, it's like a red dress. That's Jekt. I'm seeing it now. He's got his arms folded. He's got the red bandana. Do you think that's just, that's it us? probably is Jekt. Well, I don't know, though. Is that what he wears? Because he's no, he, he, no, he's bare-chested. He, he doesn't show his shirt. That might be Jekt. I don't know. It's really hard to tell who that is. But that that is Titus, the boy, there. Yeah, so boy Titus is there, but there's also someone else there. But as soon as you enter the cutscene, that, that how did you do the back one gone. by frame? Uh, you'd use these arrows here. Ah. I mean, he is folding his arms. That's like Jack's uh, pose, but no. it, it doesn't look like his clothing. And that's definitely but the kid. But it's hard to see because he's so transparent. It's not, really hard. It's to tell not just it young Titus. That's yeah. for sure. That's okay. the one thing I know. It's not well, just young. Titus. You're right. So there's someone else standing there. But then once he actually, when the camera cuts to a close up on Titus there, and it's just the yeah. boy is left. Then it's over. just the boy. So I wonder if there was something, a decision made at some point to say, oh, it's just the kid. Uh, but there was a mismatch, or if we were supposed to see both figures there, I don't know. Um, but the, the narration from Titus here is, I thought about a lot of things, like where I was and what I'd gotten myself into. I started to feel lightheaded and then sleepy. I think I had a dream, a dream of being alone. I wanted someone, anyone beside me, so I didn't have to feel alone anymore. Again, very deliberate. Very deliberate. This is what my note here was... Um, well, I probably wouldn't even say it, but it's, yeah, just remember, remember that yeah. stuff. Remember all of this stuff if you can. So that Play this game twice. That's That the real concludes thing. the introduction sequence. And yeah. I think it is possibly like one of the greatest hooks in the series. It's, it's unbelievably exceptionally good. Exceptionally well. It's like impossibly good. Directed and executed yeah. and really interesting visually. And the music is great. And it's loaded with hints and foreshadowing everything is deliberate everything yes. is done for a purpose it's symbolic it all means stuff it's crazy how yeah. good it is you have to play this game twice like, you <laughs> have to if you haven't played it in a while play it again yeah. and really just pay attention to that opening cutscene and you will feel your heart beats per minute just double yeah. uh, by the end of it you'll just be like what is going on I've played this game before but this has new meaning now it's just so so cool so well done yeah so honestly, I think that's probably a good place to leave off. Um, yeah, I for think this so. episode. Um, yeah, then we'll, we'll I see think, you guys in Spira. <laughs> yeah, I think that we can probably move a little quicker through the next. I think we will. That one. There was just so much. There's in just Santa a lot Arcana. there. There was just so much. Um, so I know that I said last time to play up to the point of Kilika Temple. <laughs> well, this time for sure, please. I think <laughs> this time for sure we'll get there next time. <laughs> I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there. Um, uh, so that's the plan, right? So as of right now, this is my favorite game ever made. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see, uh, we'll see, see where it goes from here. Continues. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah. We're excited to read your comments. Of course, uh, uh, chime in with anything that you guys know about development history or some of the answers. To a couple of things we were a little confused on, like who is that figure standing next to yes. Titus there? Who's the figure? Who's the voice? Um, who's the voice in Japanese speaking, saying hey, hey to him as yeah. he's going into the white? I mean, we have ideas of who these people are, but it's like, not perfectly sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Anyways, it's a book club, video game book club, so. Yes, we read the comments. Contribute, we read the comments. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you again, see you again next week in Spira, and peace out, till then. <laughs>